0: Thank you for joining me in this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I believe you're going to be blessed and impacted by this special service we have. We're going to show you a message that we had in our conference here. Man, it was so awesome. It was just a message on faith. And man, like the pastor said, he, he thinks it's one of the best messages on faith that he has ever heard. And I must be honest, the concept of grace when it comes to faith brings so much peace. It brings righteousness It brings joy. It makes it easy to believe God. When you can know that faith is not something that you do for God, but it's something that just happens in your heart. Amen. I also want to welcome all the first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church. Uh, I believe that if you've got a heart that says, I want to hear the message of grace, this is the place for you. If you are just watching this for the very first time in your life, you've slotted into Dynamic Web Church for the first time, I do believe that you can make yourself ready and open your heart For the message of God's unconditional love That will bring dignity and worth to your life Like you've never heard ever before God's love is what will excite you God's love is what will bring power to your life That's like the Apostle Paul said he said straight out, he said, The love of Christ compels me for I've got this revelation or I'm of this mind. Then if one died, then all are dead. And that was just what he saw as the love of God, which is the love of God. 1 John chapter 4 clearly says that herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son as the sacrifice for our sins so that we can live through His Son. So if you can know that you can live through Jesus, experience life through what He's done for you, Let's make that a bit more practical. Living through His obedience on your behalf. Knowing that He obeyed every commandment, every rule, every principle that there's ever been in the Bible. 100% for you. And you can believe that, make that applicable to your life. Man, the peace of God is yours. The prosperity of the Lord is yours. The peace of God is yours. Everything that you can imagine that comes from God is yours. Hallelujah. Now, um, Yeah, I I just want to continue this. If you're a first-time viewer, know this: that we're going to just give this message of love to you. That's what will touch your heart. And if you listen to this, and you might say, "But this is a little bit different than what I'm used to," man, just continue to listen. Get a get a perspective on everything I've said, and you will find the true peace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd like to read a scripture, um, just to explain the heart of God um, in short. And then we're going to go over to worship. After the worship. We're going to have this, this, um, this message, play you this message, and then I'm going to say something just after the message again. Right, we're going to read from Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is now Jesus taking the book of Isaiah and reading this about Himself. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted um, hearted. To preach deliverance to the captives Recovery of sight to the blind And set at liberty Then that are bruised To preach the year of acceptance Of the Lord Amen So the, when the Spirit of God Is upon somebody It brings wealth to those that are poor It heals the brokenhearted it sets, it sets people free It gives them peace It tells you about the acceptance Of God That's how simple it is It tells you about God's unconditional love It tells you about what God has done for you, how free you are, and that's what the Holy Spirit brings. Amen. So many times when we go to church, we repent from our sins and all the bad things we do to get to a place where we get new rules, new regulations, what we must do for God. I've got good news for you. If you receive the grace of God, Jesus Christ, what He's done for you, you will find that you are born of God. The life of God comes into you. And then you find God living through you. It's not you trying to make a living, not you trying to make this Christian life come forth out of you. It is God living in you. Every effort you make to be like God or to be holy or to be righteous out of your own effort and, as, and not as a result of the revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ, it is called born of the flesh, or born of your own willpower, and that is not peace promoting, and that doesn't mean anything in the eyes of God. What really means something in the eyes of God, is when He lives in you. And the wonderful thing about that life, is that it's effortless. Amen. It's full of joy, true righteousness, true peace. Hallelujah. And that can be applied to every area of life. Isn't that awesome? Well, we're going to go over to the worship. I would like you just to open your heart, Relax, enjoy the music, listen to the words, allow this to enter into your heart. From there we go directly over to the message, and then after the message I want to say just something in short. Amen. Enjoy the worship. Okay, we're going to talk about faith. Hallelujah. You know, faith, um, when it comes to faith, we've we've had such a wrong idea of faith. And like I said last night, we, we try to believe four things. And the vision is not to try and believe God for things, but to believe in someone. We don't believe for stuff. We believe in someone. You know, I don't believe, um, you you know, if you know somebody and you really know who he is and you know that he's got certain things that just comes naturally for him, you don't have to work up faith to know that he will do things for you. It just comes naturally. It's a rest that you're in. You know, it's like, a, like what you've known now. For me, to to go on... To, to take my bike on a weekend and to go riding in the mountain, mountain passes, that's... you don't have to have great faith to believe that I will do it. You know, you, it will just come naturally for you to believe because you know that's a type of person I am. You've heard that about me and as you've heard that over this week, you know it comes naturally for me. For me to preach the gospel of grace, it's... If, for you... It's easy for you to believe that when you go to a session where I preach, that you will hear grace. Because that's what you've experienced, that's what you've heard. And that's, you've come to know who I am. And and out of that, you expect that. And that's the thing that's going to work with God. And, And that's the way it works with God. So many times we thought that faith is, you know, we don't know if God's going to do it. And if we believe enough, then He will look at my faith, and then He will say, okay, you've just reached that secret level now. So you qualify to release, release something out of heaven and now God's gonna do something for you. That's not the gospel. That's the law mixed into the gospel. And then that produces death. And the way it was was, and out, out of that teaching came a big hierarchy type of, of theory. Because we were looking at the people that were getting it right and then we were thinking, man, they are so special, they've got this special thing, you know, they've got this special key and God's doing this thing through them and, and whatever. And we started to worship people. You know, they are so special because they've, they've got this and they've got that. Where the Bible says that there's different gifts in the body of Christ. And, and it's as the Spirit wills. It's just like that. You know, if I've got a, a, a gift to teach and I don't see a lot of signs and wonders and miracles, for instance. That doesn't change uh, my value. For my value is not determined by what I do for God. The kingdom of God is not about what we must do for God. It's not about how much you must love God. It's not about how much you must love your neighbor. That's not what the gospel of Jesus is about. It became there. It became a theory of what we must do for God in the name of Jesus. The gospel became a message that says, listen, the law exists and is there for us and God will give us the Holy Spirit. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, we must obey the law and then we'll be blessed. That's not the gospel. That was what Jesus had to do. He had to obey the law so that blessing could come. But once he's obeyed the law and the blessings came, then the law was fulfilled, like I said last night, and it passed away. And for those of you who hasn't been here, I just want to recap a little bit on this. The, the Bible says in Matthew 5 verse 17 that the law, Jesus said that I've come to fulfill the law. I didn't come to break the law. And then he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one point or comma of the law will pass away till it is fulfilled but he came to fulfill it. Now, did he do his job or not? Now, if he fulfilled it, it means it passed away. And so many times we've been deceived by looking at that scripture, not reading the whole thing, thinking that the law will never pass away, heaven and earth will pass away, but the law will never pass away. Now, that's what's written there, but the end of it says, it will never pass away till it is fulfilled. So what it was actually saying is, if he doesn't come to fulfill it, the law will always be something between us and God. Because we will never have the the, the ability to do that law. So He came to do it so that it could pass away, so that we can come to God by faith and not our works. That's it. And now what happened was um, the, the whole faith thing became a work as well and that message of death crept into the faith message. And faith became a message instead of a fruit of a message. And that's wrong. You know, we're not supposed to try and preach faith. You know, it's by how hard you believe. It's not by how hard you believe. If you preach the right thing, people will have faith. The word faith um, in, the, in, the, in the Greek is, is the word persuasion. Persuasion. It literally says a persuasion through an argument, true or false. That's what the word faith means. To be persuaded. If you go and buy yourself a second-hand car, you look at the car and, and you, uh, you've got a list of things that you're going to look at, and if all those things fall in place, then you're going to be persuaded that it's a good car or a bad car, depending on what, what falls in place or not. And then you go and you look at, okay, what's the mileage on the car? And then you look at, how's the tyres? Is there oil leaks? Does it have a service record? And you look at all those things and you might have been looking at 10 of the 20 things that you've got in your list and then you will still not be persuaded. And then there'll come a time when you just get all the information correct when you will be persuaded about the condition of that cop. And that persuasion is not something you decide to have. It's something that comes because of the information that you get. So you'll get information about this thing and you'll get information and information and information and after you get all the information together and then you will be persuaded. And that's how faith works. Faith is not something that you work up, that you decide to have. I'm going to now have big faith today and to this morning we stood up and I decide that I'm going to have this faith. Today I'm going to walk in this faith. We're going to see a miracle or today I'm going to be, I decide I walk in faith. You can't decide to walk in faith. You hear the right message. And when you hear the right message, then you find faith coming into your heart. The Bible says, Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear God's Word, you will find faith coming up in your heart. That's why when you don't believe in Jesus, it's a very great offence. Because... um, God even gave you the faith. You were actually going against your own belief. Because as you listen to the message of grace, by the end of the session, you will find faith already in your heart. Because by that hearing, faith came. And then you decide, well, I'm not even going to believe, I'm not going to even walk by what I believe. Because of certain other things that's in your heart, what people are going to think you know, some other traditions that's in your mind. No, 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 I can't lay that down because I've been, I've been believing in that thing for 20 years. Now I feel this feels good, it feels right, but I'm not going to go with it. Because God gives you the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, um, and I want to clarify this, faith doesn't come by the Bible. This Bible... You can read this Bible. I believe that this Bible contains the Word of God. Every scripture in this Bible contains the Word of God and can be the Word of God if it's correctly interpreted. But if it's not correctly interpreted, it can kill you. And there's a good example in the Bible. The woman was caught in the very act of adultery. People took the Bible and said, let's kill her. But then... And the Bible, I mean, there was the Pharisees, they read the Scriptures. There was the Pharisees, they read the Scriptures, and there was Jesus, He was called the Word of God. Then they said, the Scripture says, kill her, but what does the Word of God say? Because Jesus was called the Word of God. And the Word said, and He was the correct interpretation of the Scriptures, He said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's what he said. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So when you read the Bible, the faith does not come by the Scriptures. Faith comes by the Word. It comes by Jesus interpreted into the Scriptures. Faith comes by that persuasion of who God is. You must, you must realise that Moses wasn't the perfect representation of the Father. <laughs> Neither Elijah or Elisha or David. Nobody in the Old Testament was the perfect example of who the Father was. People come and they say, Yeah, you know, I think it was Elijah or whatever. <laughs> huh? And then the children came and they and and, 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 they, and they they spot, they mocked him. And then the bears ate ate them. He says, yeah, you know. Then we take that into the New Testament. Do you know how Elijah called fire on the people? Do you know what? If Jesus was there, when Elijah called fire on the people, he would have rebuked Elijah. So what are you busy with? Because there was John and the, the sons of thunder also, living in the Old Testament, remember Jesus didn't live in the New Testament, He lived in the Old Testament. That's right. yeah. He came under the law, and under the law they said, these people don't want to accept you, shall we call fire like Elijah did, and consume them all? Yeah. Yeah. He says, you don't know of what spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So when we want to interpret Scripture, we need to see Jesus. Don't try and see Moses or Elijah or any of those guys. See Jesus in that Scripture. And when you see Jesus in the Scripture, it produces faith. And faith just happens to you. Faith is not something you do to get God to do something for you. Faith is something that just happens to you when you get knowledge of what God has done for you. That's faith. That's persuasion. Hallelujah. And if we can read the scriptures with Jesus Christ in them. Daar was little Emmaus gangers hulle daar, hulle langs die pad. And they were crying, they were saying, about the things, you know, what happened to Jesus and all of that. And here comes Jesus and walked with him. And he said, why are you so sad? How do you read the Scripture? (laughs) So they were reading the Scripture and they were sad. So you can read the Scripture and be sad. And then the Bible says, He explained Himself in the Scriptures. And then they were happy. (laughs) And they said, Then our hearts burned within us when He explained the Scriptures to us. And he explained all the scriptures concerning himself. So he took the scriptures that made them sad, he placed himself in those scriptures, he's finished work, and then they were happy. And that brings faith. Hallelujah. So don't try and work up faith. Faith is something you either have or you don't have. And don't fool yourself. If you don't have faith, say, I don't have faith. You might say, yes, you know, how can you say that? You know, the Bible, Jesus comes to the Pharisees and he he says to them, "Um, how can you that are evil speak good things? That means they were saying things that wasn't in their heart. And that's what I call this positive confession move. You know, you just confess positive, you doubt like hell, but you confess right. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. The Bible says what the heart is full of flows out of the mouth. So let your mouth flow so you can see what's in your heart. And then you you come to the Word of God and let the Word of God change your heart and then you'll see a change in your mouth. Just changing what you're saying doesn't work it's not right. No no. Get into the word, get into the message of grace, get into the love of God, and you find words of faith coming out of your mouth. And that's genuine and true, and it brings power. You know, so many times we, we think, you know, if I just confess right, God's going to do the thing. And if you just confess one thing wrong, well, yes, then bad things are going to happen to you. You can't say, you know, Afrikaans' language is a bit negative. It is frak warm and it is frak cold. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that in English. You can't say that in English. Huh? It's deathly cold, deathly hot. this is frak and do it. You know? And now they say, if you just say frak or do it, then, then you, you're not going to be blessed and you cancelled all the good things. Do you know what's so wonderful about this the, the, this confession teaching, it is, you can confess right for a year, and say one wrong thing, and they have cancelled all the right. <laughs> because, you know, that be- the belief system that people function out when you say that is, that the negative has got more, po- more power than the positive. That's it. I'm going to die of a heart attack within five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do you know why it didn't work? Because I didn't believe it. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And the problem today is we don't have true faith. We don't hear the true gospel. So don't try to work up faith. Faith is something that happens to you as you listen and hear the word of God. Now, let's go to Hebrews 11, verse, verse 1. And we've defined the word, the word is the message of grace, the message of God's unconditional love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For why have the elders obtained a good report? Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, so many times that scripture, we we read it from a wrong perspective, saying, because we want to see what faith is, so that we can try to do faith to get the thing. In other words, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, now we think, okay, if that is faith, let me try to hope for things I don't see. And really hope with, with a lot of power. And if I just continue to hope, I will see a good report. But that's not what that scripture says. That scripture is explaining what faith is. Which you already have. What is faith? Faith is the persuasion that comes into your heart when you hear what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. Yeah. When you hear that, when that persuasion comes in your heart, then you've already got faith. You do have to get faith. And then Hebrews tells you here that the faith that you have, the persuasion that you have about what Jesus Christ has done is the substance, or another word for substance there in the Greek is the word foundation from where you can expect stuff. Yeah. He's not trying to tell you, go and expect now. Try and believe now. Try and push through now. No, he, what he's, he's confirming what you've already got. The faith that I have, the simple faith. Faith is not that I'm going to get a car. Faith is not that I'm going to have an airplane. Faith is not that I'm going to have a house or this or That's not faith. Faith is towards Jesus. I believe that He was a man. He became a man. He represented me. He obeyed on my behalf so that it's not by my obedience. He died on my behalf. He was resurrected on my behalf. He's seated at the right hand of the Father as in human flesh, representing me and you forevermore. That is faith. If you persuade of that, you've got faith. And that is the foundation from where you can expect anything. And that faith that I have is unseen, because it's in heaven. I can't see it in my physical eyes now. But that's the foundation from where I expect all good things, for the elders obtained a good report. What he's saying there is, those people believed it and it changed things in their lives. So I want to tell you, if you can believe today that Adam was your representative, and Jesus Christ came and took over the work of Adam and he became your representative in human flesh, he obeyed on your behalf, he died on your behalf, he was resurrected on your behalf. He seated at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. You've got enough faith to move a mountain. You don't need any more faith. The faith tank's full. It's full. It's full. Can't have more faith. What more do you want to believe? If you believe that, you believe it all. You know, we've been deceived with the teaching of you know, great faith and small faith. And I want to explain to you what great faith and small faith is. But I believe that if you have something, if you know you've got it, if, and, and or say, um, say I was Satan, I would have done it this way. If the guy has got the weapon to destroy me, and I can deceive him about the power of what he's already got, then I'm safe. And tell him, listen, you need something else, but actually there's nothing else. You know what? He'll be seeking forever, and never use what he has. If I can make somebody look for something that doesn't exist, he'll be looking for a very long time. And what we've done is we've put this thing about faith, this hyper-faith up there. But the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's Word. God's Word, the Greek word there is logos, God's logic. What's God's logic about you? What does He know about you? He looks at His Son and everything He knows about His Son is what He knows about you. For you are represented in Jesus. Hallelujah! We easily and readily accept that when Adam sinned, I became a sinner. And the Bible even says in Romans, even those that didn't sin in the same way as what Adam sinned, were under the sin of Adam. Because Adam was a representative of man. And I've also said this for the guys that weren't here, it's not your sin that makes you a sinner. It's not your disobedience that made you disobedient. It was the disobedience of another man that caused you to become a sinner. Because the Bible says through the disobedience of one, all became sinners. Romans 5.19 In the same way through the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. That's what the scripture says. So we are not obedient because of our obedience. Because we weren't disobedient because of our disobedience. So it's not your sin that makes you a sinner, neither is it your good works that makes you righteous. that's That's the Gospel. And that message, if you can believe that, you've got the faith that the Gospel can provide. And out of that faith, you can start to expect certain things to happen to you. You can expect healing to be yours. You can expect Righteousness to be yours. You can expect peace to be yours. You can expect to walk in prosperity. You can expect to walk in the power of God when you pray for the sick. You can expect the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You can expect the presence of God because of your faith. Amen. You can't be persuaded about any other thing than the Gospel. And the Gospel is only this long. People say, Barathe, why do you preach one thing over and over? I say, because it's all there is. There's nothing else. It's all there is. I can preach the whole gospel to you, and I've preached it now five times to you. One man brought sin into the world. God got another representative called Jesus. He was incarnated into human flesh. He did everything on behalf, so that whosoever believes will be saved as he is today in heaven the whole gospel from the beginning to the end there's nothing more let me tell you anything more than that is of the devil because we got into this this deeper revelation and this deeper this that's a lot of nonsense there's one revelation it's Jesus Christ and that's the only revelation there's nothing else and let me tell you even if there's something else That's enough. Jesus, enough. Don't need anything more. Hallelujah. But we can have revelation about what He's done for us. Of course. We can have more of a revelation of what His finished work implies and what it gives to us. But there's nothing greater than the foundation Jesus Christ. There's nothing. We can't build anything upon anything else if it's not built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because then it will not be faith. It will be presumption. <coughs> you just presume. But it's not faith. It's not faith. So, faith is the foundation from where we hope. It is the evidence of the things not seen. Hallelujah. So if we can just know that faith will bring into, the the, the true context of that thing is, faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the foundation from where we hope, it is the thing that brings into evidence what is not seen. What is not seen today is that you are healed because in your physical body you see that you are sick but are persuaded of what is done for us upon the cross. Therefore we confidently expect the manifestation of that in our hearts and that comes by the faith not your willpower not you trying to work up this faith now. And let me tell you something if you walk by this faith it will be there forever. It will you will not grow tired. You will not grow weary because it's not you trying to work it up. Amen. Right. Let's go to Mark eleven. I've I've made the slogan. Faith is not something I do, it's something that happens to me. Okay. And we're going to get into belief because there's a difference between faith and belief. Great difference. Mark 11. I think it's Mark 11. Verse 22. Jesus uh, uh, pronounced a curse over the fig tree And some people say, but, you know, why did Jesus have something against the fig tree? Because he came and he found no fruit there. And there was, but there was leaves. It wasn't even the season for figs. And Jesus said, nobody will ever eat of you. But I do believe there was something different than that. This is just my theory. Um, I believe it, it had something to do with Adam and Eve in the beginning trying to clothe themselves with the fig leaves. And it was just speaking about man's effort To bear fruit. Because through man's effort you can never be fruit. And God said, no man will ever eat of your own ability to be like God ever again. Because Jesus ended that. That's what I believe. (coughs) Okay, right. Uh, Chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe what, those things which he says, um, shall, it shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he say, say. Therefore, whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, verse 22 in the beginning there, uh, it's important sometimes, and it's very easy this, these days, to study the Bible. You go, you take your computer, you download a program called eSword and all the commentaries and everything there, and all the Greek dictionaries and whatever, and then you can easily see. You know, you can in half an hour know more about the Word of God than people that have studied it for 30 years. Okay. Right, now what it says there, it says, have faith in God. The original language does not say have faith in God. It says have the faith of God. Now that sounds almost impossible. Now that is the easiest thing to have it's easier to have faith the faith of god than just to have the faith that we've been taught all the years to have the faith of god is very easy faith means persuasion it says be persuaded about something the way god's persuaded about it so what's god's what's god's persuasion about your healing what's god's persuasion about your prosperity what's god's persuasion about your sin God's persuasion is all found in Jesus Christ. Because, listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that is a gift of God given unto us. What God believes about you is all 100% connected to what Jesus has done for you. Okay. So, how is God persuaded? God is persuaded that I am healed, free from my works. God is persuaded that I will prosper financially, free from my works, working principles free from my giving, my sowing, tithing, whatever. He is persuaded that Jesus is prosperous. He is so persuaded that Jesus represents us because He sees Him physically next to Him in human flesh. Jesus is fully persuaded that your sins are paid. He felt it on His back. He walked this earth. He is persuaded about it. And what we do when we read the Bible, is we come to a place where we start to see what God knows about us, about our sin, about our prosperity, about our peace, about our relationship with Him, based on what His relationship between Jesus and the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the relationship there is. The way God is persuaded, that is the faith that He says we must have. He says, if you have that faith, and you say, it shall happen. So, don't try and work up hyper-faith. Just listen. Don't even try to work up any faith. Just listen to the word of grace. You'll find God's faith. And then whatsoever you desire... You ask Believing That's not the word faith It's another word Believing in Him Okay So I ask for stuff But I believe in God Now what's the difference between Faith and belief Faith is the persuasion that comes into your heart Because of the facts put together Okay Belief The the, the word belief uh, in the Webster's, also says it's the word trust, which means to rest your mind in the integrity, veracity, friendship, or sound principle of another person. Belief is to rest your mind in the integrity, veracity, the word veracity means habitual observance of truth. Okay? So, if we come to God, we must rest our mind in the fact that He's a God of integrity. Now, what is integrity? Integrity in the New Testament is that God will not go away from His plan in Jesus Christ. That He's a God of integrity. If He said, it's not by your works, then He's a God of integrity. don't have any more because He doesn't like your face for some reason. He's now going to switch you over to works. But the rest is by grace. No, no. He's a God of integrity. That means he sticks to grace. He sticks to his unconditional love. He sticks to who he is. He's not gonna change. God is good and whatsoever is good comes from God and that's it. And he's gonna stick to that. He's gonna stick to his plan that he gives to you by grace and not by works. He's gonna stick to, he's gonna be true to who he is and he's never gonna change from that. That's a God of integrity. He has laid down, you know, we must realize this, and I know I'm throwing in a lot of stuff. There's no covenant between you and God. The covenant is between the man, Jesus Christ, and the Father, and you have been engrafted into the man between whom the covenant is and the Father. And we've got a testament that says that we are part of that because we have been engraved into Christ. Okay, so the only reason why you cannot receive from God is if Jesus breaks the covenant. So as long as what Jesus is seated next to the Father, and he believes in the Father, he is holy, he is righteous, he is blessed, and you believe that, that's how long you'll be holy, blessed, and righteous because not on your ability. Our blessing is based on the ability of Jesus, where He is today. Hallelujah! And we can rest our mind in the fact that God is a God of integrity, that there was a covenant between Jesus and the Father, and that He's got integrity towards Jesus. And God's integrity towards Jesus is directed directly to me. So, for God not to provide for Jesus would be wrong. Isn't it? For Jesus to live in fear would be wrong. Because of the covenant between him and the Father. So, Jesus does not live in fear where he is today. He knows that his needs are met already. And there's one thing we must get into our mind and please listen to what I say Jesus Christ is the Son of God but I think he's referred to about 13 times in the New Testament more as the Son of Man than the Son of God because the whole the whole New Testament thing is about God becoming man and the the best news you could ever get was when he was resurrected from the dead in human flesh and he could eat and you could feel him because that meant that God was still man. And He, Jesus, will forever be a man. Human being. That's why we will forever have Him as our representative. And as long as what we rest our minds in what He's done for us, we will forever be like Him. I don't see myself right now in His perfection but I've got a confident expectation in His return. If I have already died, I will be raised from the dead and I will have an immortal body. And if I live in His return, I will be changed in the twinkling of an eye into His perfection. For as He is, so am I. Hallelujah. For He is forever our representative. And that is faith. That is belief. Believing that. That is true faith. That is the faith of God that we can have. But the problem is why we've got measures of faith is in the measures we understand that. Because it's always been mixed with the law. It's always been a leaven thing. Now, <coughs> belief means to rest your mind in the integrity of God. So when you get, like when you buy a car and you get all the facts together and you say, okay, this is a good car. Then you can now rest your mind in the fact that it's a good car. So when your mind wants to run away and say "Ah, but this is..." your mind can rest. Rest. Don't try to get your mind to rest. Get enough of the facts until you find your mind's resting now. That's it. We don't stress, but where where the word brings rest to your mind. Hallelujah. Rest your mind in His integrity, in His veracity, His habitual observance of Jesus. Verestee means habitual observance of truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. <laughs> so, gee, God, by habit, <laughs> looks at Jesus when it comes to me and you. And what we can do is we can rest our minds in that. You know, he says, he I know I'm going to pay everything, but next month. Whew. Look at next month. What about next month? Let me tell you, you can't rest your mind in what you see. Because what you see doesn't look good. It looks as if, the karachan of your obvious. it looks as if this business is going bankrupt. It looks as if it's not going to work. Everything shows that it's not going to work. But I can't rest my mind in the fact that all those things, I'm not going to try and look into the situation trying to see a good thing in that situation so that I can rest my mind in another good thing that I see in my situation. Now, at, least, at least this guy phoned, you know, and made a promise. You can't rest your mind in that. Don't look there. What you do is, you go and check in heaven, and you say, God, are you still observing Jesus concerning me? Yes or no? Yes. Now tell me more about that, God. He says, Bertie, Everything you do need to be to, to do in order to be blessed has been done. There's nothing that can hinder my blessing to come towards you, for I have already given these things to you. You can rest your mind. If this business goes bankrupt or not, I'll always provide for you. For Jesus He is your representative. And as surely as what Jesus will be blessed tomorrow, that's how surely you can you are already blessed. And he habitually observes Jesus. Lord, but did I give enough? Did I pray enough? No, no. Did Jesus give enough? Did Jesus pray enough? That's the question. That's the question. Rest your mind in His veracity, His habitual observance of truth. Belief is to rest your mind in His friendship. Friendship. And I think I've mentioned here, the the, the Webster's definition for a friend is somebody that is willing to entertain another person until he desires his presence. It's somebody willing to entertain another person until he desires his presence. Hallelujah. So rest your mind in what he's done for you. Open your mind. Go and look at the good things that he's done for you free of your own works. And rest your mind in the fact that we are friends. God's my friend. Hallelujah. And in His... The Bible also says belief is to rest your mind in the sound principle of another person. Now the sound principle by which Jesus works is the principle of representation and faith. So what He says is, I'll represent you, I'll tell you about this, as you believe this, and rest your mind in this, and are you persuaded about this, Salvation is yours. That's the principle by which God works. The principle of Jesus on my behalf. And God walks by that. I rest my mind in the fact that God walks by that principle. Hallelujah. Do you know that makes your future secure? If South Africa's Rand fall and becomes like Zimbabwean dollar, my support will be in Euro. And that was the nicest thing? One of the things in the kingdom of God, if I lose everything, God gives me something, a gift that the church has forgotten about. It's a gift of God. It's called contentment. And contentment makes you a millionaire in a second. Because you don't worry about the stuff you don't have. You can't even see what you don't have. You see what you've got. To me, that's a definition of of between poverty and, 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 and wealth. A rich man. You're rich when you are conscious of what you have. And you are poor when you're conscious of what you don't have. And you're poor. Because I've seen very poor millionaires. Really. I could give more than them. Because, you know, I've seen millionaires that are very poor because he's got 20 million in the bank and he's in a competition with another guy that's got 30 million in the bank and if he must give something, he can say, I can't give, I'm I'm 10 million behind. Yeah, because his mind is on what he doesn't have. The other guy cannot give. He says no because I'm just ten million ahead, and that guy's catching up because he's conscious of what he doesn't have. So let us be wealthy and rich in the gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ. So when I rest my mind, I, it, it's like, what if the worst happens? I lose everything. When I lose everything in that time, it will feel okay. It will not be, I'll be happy for the the one bedroom flat I live in. I will think it's awesome. Because that's what God will put in my mind. There's another word for it, it's called long suffering. God gives it to you as a gift, man. So Satan can't do anything. If I've got everything, I thank God for what I have. If I lose everything, God gives me that gift of long-suffering. You know, if you a person that has got patience, it doesn't feel long. Really? Isn't it? If you do have patience, it feels very short. I've been in Zambia. They say the boat's going to leave at nine. Half past twelve, we're still waiting. But nobody's in a hurry. It doesn't feel long to them. Because they've got patience. It's in them. If I get it today or tomorrow. You know, to them it's wonderful because normally they row, it takes them three days to do the 80 kilometers. But now they've got an an engine and uh, it takes them only six, six or eight hours. Man, wonderful. The patience that they have makes them makes them not see what they don't have. So that's the way God works. In His kingdom He's placed things there that I can never be defeated. So I don't have my peace in if I have money or not. My peace is in do I have Jesus? If I've got Him even if I don't have money I will have patience I will have contentment I'll have joy in that. Not that I say that we must expect it to go bad, but we can rest our mind in the fact that He is a God that will work by that principle, He will always bless me, I I can always be cared for, my future is secure because of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's true faith. So faith is resting your mind in the integrity, habitual observance of Jesus, friendship that God has got with you, and Him working and functioning on that sound principle which is Jesus towards you 24-7. Hallelujah. Now, what is great faith and what is small faith? Let's go to Matthew 8. You can open Matthew 8 and also in Matthew 15. You know, so many times, you know, we, we say, God, you know, I've got only such small faith, you know, and, um, but I've got good news for you. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and their unbelief, and then He said to them, you know, if you can only have faith as a mustard seed, then you'll be able to say to this tree, be plucked up and cast into the sea or whatever, And it will happen. So the, the thing in the kingdom of God is not how big your faith is. It's what type of faith you've got. Because just a little bit of the right faith can do the thing. Because they were saying, Jesus said to them, you must forgive people, you must forgive people. They said, oh, increase our faith. Then he said, listen, wait. It's not in how great your faith is. If you've just got a small of the right faith, then it can happen. And... They tried to have great faith talking about, you know, um, great efforts towards the kingdom of God, really believing it's going to happen or something like that. But Jesus said, the right faith, which is belief and resting of the mind in the finished work of Christ, not by my works, but by His work. A little bit of that faith can get the thing done. Because they said, I need a lot of faith. You know, to get all these works done, to, believe, to forgive seven, ta- seven times a day for the same thing. To forgive seven times, no, more, seven times seventy in a day. He said, he said, Lord, I can't forgive that much in a day. Increase my faith that I can do this work, that I can be blessed by you. Then Jesus said to Peter, Peter, no man. You don't need to have all this faith to do all these works. You must just have a little bit of the right faith. Just have a little bit of faith and believe that I've done it for you. And that's enough to move the mountain of unrighteousness in your life and make you righteous. We're also chasing this big faith. You don't have to chase big faith. Just a little bit of the right faith is enough. That's what the Bible says. Now, let's look at great faith and small faith. I'll start with Matthew 15, verse 27. Let's start from verse 21. Then Jesus went from there and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came and said, um, of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and um, besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now listen, man. If you come for prayer, and I say, listen, man, I'm not there to heal you, you dog. You're going to feel happy. Now that time there was the Jews, and 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 the people there, even the Gentiles, believed that the Messiah would come for the Jews. That's what they thought. Then Jesus said, "Well, I am only here now for the for for these Israelites." But then it, 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 he did the, the whole thing for the whole world, even for the Gentiles. But listen to what he said. And this is this is great faith. This is called great faith. Jesus said to her, "You're a dog," and by your. Um, By the type of race you are, you don't qualify. So by your ability, you don't qualify. You know what you said? She said, I believe that you are even good for those who don't qualify. And Jesus said, great is your faith. For your faith was not in your ability. Your faith was in how much I can love even those who don't qualify. That's it. That's great faith. And then he went on and he said, Great is your faith, woman. Great is your faith. You know what a small faith? Small faith is, if I do all these things, then God's going to bless me. That's small faith. You've only got to put a little faith in who He is to bless you. Because you've taken half of it, or three quarters of it, and put it in your own ability to obey laws and rules and commandments. You know... If, if there's a guy stand at nine I'm still of the old school I know all these grades, stand at nine and um, they, they're choosing the prefects so, uh, and the one guy, is made two girls pregnant he's smoking marijuana and he's got a criminal record against him, and the other guy he is um, first team rugby player His average is about 80% for his subjects. Do you know that you need great faith to believe that the dacha smoker is going to become the head boy? (laughs) And in very small faith, to believe that the other guy that's done everything right will become the head boy. So that's the difference between great faith and small faith. Great faith is believing that God can bless a sinner that hasn't done anything right. They didn't want to even try and obey. That's great faith. This woman knew that Jesus could have chased her away like a dog. She knew that Jesus didn't even have to speak to her. And she rested her mind in the fact that he can be good to a dog. And God said, Jesus said, Great is your faith. The same thing, the same thing in another place in the Bible. Here comes um, the decim- <coughs> a man, a centurion, Roman centurion. Doesn't qualify not of the right nation. Nationality is not right. It's only for the Jews. Here he comes and he says, have mercy on me. Go, my servant is dying. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. He said, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. So what he says is, by the system I don't qualify. But if you speak it, it will be done for a person who doesn't qualify. Jesus said, I have not even found such great faith in Israel. For the Israelites didn't believe that. They believed God only blessed those that are of the right nation. But that person believed that God can bless those even if you're not right. It's called great faith. And we were thinking great faith is hard believing. No, 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 no. (laughs) Great faith is to say, Lord, you know, According to the faith rules of this world I don't qualify to be blessed Because there's been ta- times when I found that I was fearing There's been times when I Wanneer maar ongeduldig is And there's times when I don't even read my Bible There's times when I don't even To be honest, don't want to go to church But I want to just say I'm in need of this thing And I believe that you are good enough To even bless me That's great faith Great faith Hallelujah Hallelujah. Man, I want to cry. That's, that's how easy it is to believe. To rest your mind in His goodness, not in your obedience to Him. I'm not saying you should not be obedient. Just don't think that your obedience is what He looks at to bless you. There was two people praying. The one man came, <coughs> he was a Pharisee, um, learned in the law in Matthew 18. And he, the Bible said, Jesus told this parable to tell the people, to show the people the thing about resting in your unrighteousness. And he said, "My, l- listen to his prayer. He's thanking God. So here comes a guy since before God. God, I thank you that I'm righteous because I tithe and I fast and I'm not like other sinners. Even this publican that is here. So he went to the temple trusting in what he's done for God. And he knew that God was God. He was getting the thing right and even thanking God that he could get it right. But here was the other and he rested in the fact, he, he, he went thinking that God and, and coming to God on the basis of what he's done. Thinking that his works gives him credit and merit with God. Here comes the other God. He also came to the temple. Now what was in his mind when he went to the temple that morning? Well, I'm going to a God that can be good to a sinner. I'm resting my mind in a God that's merciful to a sinner. Merciful, many people, many times we think merciful is forgiving. It includes that. Merciful means to treat better than what you deserve. And he went to the temple and he, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You will see that he has not confessed his sin, saying, well, forgive me, and now I'll live righteous and bless me according to that. No, no, he said, I am a sinner. That's who I am. That's what I do. But be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know what Jesus said? This is the words of the Word of God. <laughs> he said, The one that believed in God being good to a sinner was justified rather than the other one. Now let's put that into finances. There's a guy giving, tithing, sowing, coming to God. God, I come to you. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. Thank you that I know I'll be blessed. And there's another guy that's never, never given, only stolen. And he said, God, I'm a thief. Be merciful to me. The thief will be blessed more than the other guy. That can make some people angry. <coughs> really. If you've been tithing for 20 years and this man has never been giving a cent to the church, but he rests on God's ability to bless a sinner, he'll be more blessed than another one. That's the gospel. That, that's the good news. That is good news. I don't say you shouldn't give. I don't say you shouldn't give on a monthly basis. I mean, the, this electricity, you know, you don't come to ESCOM and they say it's, for free, it's free for churches. They don't come to the company that makes the bricks, they say that's also for free. No, no. You pay. So we, we give because we are givers. Amen. Because we want to see the church here and because we want the pastor to, 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 to live and we want this church to make an impact in this area. That's why we give. That's, that's it. That's the only reason. And because you're generous in your heart. That's why you give. But you don't, you know, if we want to use our giving as something we can come to God with as righteousness, it stinks. Because then it must be compared to the giving of God. Because that's the standard. And then it says, no, it doesn't qualify. Well, wasn't that awesome? I just enjoy that message of faith all the time. When I preach it, I just experience faith coming to my heart. To know that I can rest my mind in the unconditional love of God. To know that I can rest my mind in what is done for me by simply taking all the facts and putting them together. The facts that Jesus Christ... Has put together for us The fact that he became a human being The fact that he obeyed on my behalf The fact that he died on my behalf The fact that he was resurrected on my behalf Hallelujah Just open your heart Allow faith to just enter into you By meditating and pondering upon this message Now after um, this service There will not be a cell group meeting For we are not in the, in the um, studio uh, at the moment So Next Sunday there will be a meeting, but just go this week, think of the facts. Just think of the fact that your sins has been paid for. Think of the fact that you became the righteousness of God. Think of the fact that, you, uh, that Jesus obeyed on your behalf. And as you think of those things, as you study the Bible, from that perspective, you will find true peace in your heart. Amen. To everybody that watched, I want to just say you are special. I love to do these broadcasts, I love to minister to you and share this gospel of grace I just thought it's good to show you this, that you can be part of what we are doing You know, we are busy with the crusade, last night was the first night of the crusade And um, today being Tuesday, we started on Monday And man, it was just awesome, they brought a lady that was completely deaf in know, one ear She was born that way, the, the hole in the side of her of head where the ear, um, the, the passage of the eardrum was basically closed. It was a very, very small hole there. Um, She was born that way. It was just a defect. She's never heard anything in that ear. Um, I called her forward. The Lord Jesus Christ healed her right there in front of everybody. People were just, man, in awe. They were shouting, jumping, excited about what God has done. And then the team that came with, they laid hands on the uh, the sick. Man, we got Many, I, I would say every one of them at least had 3 or 4 miracles And there was 14, 15 people praying So we can say 40, 50, 60 miracles last night People really being touched by the power of God right there And uh, tonight we're going to hear more testimonies of what happened last night And I am so, so excited And we will have this crusade report on as well So um, have a look at the crusade report that's on, this, on, on the website at the moment And just enjoy What what was happening in Zambia So enjoy this with us Thank you that you've watched And God bless you